Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. I am your host, Viper, the man about tech, executive producer here at the IQ. And I had a unique experience the other day due to one of our listeners. So I try to shout you guys out if you tweet at us at vidIQ using the hashtag TubeTalk. And I have mentioned on the podcast before that there is a little boy named Axel who listens to the podcast. And his mother, Carly, uh, let me know about this on Twitter a while ago. So I was hosting a room in Clubhouse the other day. And Carly was in the room on stage chatting with me and the other people in the room. And Axel was right next to her. And I got a chance to talk to Axel one-on-one. So Axel, man, I appreciate you talking to me in Clubhouse, man. It was a very unique experience for me. And Axel, I am so sorry. I will always remember from now on that you are not seven years old. You are eight years old. My bad, Axel. My bad. (laughs) But I enjoyed conversation with you, Axel. I appreciate you listening to the podcast with your mom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, man. That meant the world to me to have a chance to talk to you, sir. So thank you. And thank you, Carly, for always supporting me and what I do here at Tube Talk. Speaking of people shouting out Tube Talk on Twitter, Rebecca Chan is at it again. She's talking about the podcast episode last week that I had with Roberto Blake. I always appreciate Rebecca shouting out the podcast on Twitter. And she was a guest recently herself on the podcast. So shout out to Rebecca. Always appreciate you. Thank you very much. With that out of the way, I think I need to take a moment or two just to relate to you all, my listeners, that creators, including myself, sometimes we feel like we understand how YouTube runs or we think we understand how YouTube runs. We think we have a good understanding of the things that YouTube shouldn't shouldn't do to make the platform better for creators. But we are just creators. We are not on the inside at YouTube seeing everything happen unfolding in real time and having to make those decisions that best benefit the whole platform. And because we as creators don't have access to the inside of YouTube, we can't possibly comprehend all of the things going on and all of the elements and things that it takes to run YouTube as an entire company across the world. This week's guest hopefully going to help us out with that because I am about to go one on one with YouTube brand new creator liaison. That's right. My friend and yours, Renee Ritchie, is coming back to the podcast in a moment to talk to us about his new role as creator liaison at YouTube. I cannot wait to talk to Renee. This is a conversation that I never thought I would have in this context. I have known Renee for well over a decade. I never expected Renee to be an employee of YouTube, but here we are in 2022, and my man, Renee Ritchie, is YouTube's new creator liaison. So you know what? Enough with the intro. Let me just bring Renee in here and ask him about his time at YouTube and what he's saying and what's going on inside of the YouTube as a company, and let's roll to the podcast. Welcome back to Tube Talk presented by vidIQ. And this week, we got a very special guest here. We have YouTube's new creator liaison, Renee Richie is back in the building. Hello, sir. How are you? Good, good. Things have changed since the last time I was here. Man, tell me about it, Renee. <laughs> tell me about it. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I will be talking to you in this capacity, but here we are. So I guess let's start there. How the hell did this happen, Renee? <laughs> 
So it's really interesting. Like, you know, the backstory we've talked to, like the last time I was on this podcast, we talked about me going full time as a creator. And right. I, I did that from 2020 to 2022. And that was like what I was going to be doing. You know, I was in lockdown. I was making a video every day, made 400 videos in like two years. You know, it was like my version of making sourdough bread. I just kept doing it. <laughs> and I got a ping from, you know, a friend who worked at YouTube. And he said, we're still looking for a creator liaison. And I knew about it because I knew Matt Koval uh, before he left. But I'd never really thought about it. I was just like, you know, I was independent. I was full time on YouTube and never thought I'd go back to a company. But I spoke to some of the people here and just the the opportunity to help creators at this scale, it just, it feels like it comes across like once in a lifetime. And if that's something you care about and it's something I care really, really deeply about, you don't let those opportunities go. So I just like, all right, changing everything, changing all my plans. How do we do this? Absolutely. So for the people who don't quite understand, Renee, explain what a creative liaison is and what you will be doing with YouTube. Sure. So you like Google in general has liaisons. You know, they have a search liaison. They have Danny Sullivan famously. They have an ads liaison. And they decided to be a great idea for YouTube to have a liaison as well. And originally that was Matt Koval. He was a creator back in the day, but he'd worked at YouTube for a while. And he sort of took on this role. And the idea is we help advocate for creators inside YouTube. So we're sort of like all over the place with the comms teams, with the marketing teams, with the product teams, talking to everybody and trying to make sure, like, I'll just back up for a second and say, people at YouTube care desperately about creators. It's top of mind in every meeting that I'm in, but they thought it'd be beneficial to have someone whose only responsibility was caring about creators and advocating for creator empathy and for better understanding of creators. And at the same time, there's just so many misconceptions about YouTube out there. And I, I fell victim to them in my early days at YouTube. And it was you know some of our clubhouse rooms that we ran back then when people from YouTube dropped by and they, they busted a bunch of myths for us that really helped me shift my anxiety and my stress into like a, an optimism and like a, a zeal for creating. And I thought if I could help do that, if I could help you know dispel some of the myths and help people just understand better how YouTube worked, I could help give creators better lives. And that's a big part of my job. When I found out that you were going to be the new creator liaison for YouTube, I could not be any more happier. I was just floored. I remember tweeting that this is the single best decision that YouTube has ever made just because I know the type of man you are. I know the type of creator you are. And I know how detail oriented you are. And for you to be in that spot doing what you're doing now, you are going to be able to lend a great helping hand to creators because as you just alluded to, a lot of creators have a bunch of misconceptions about YouTube and how it works. And we both know it doesn't necessarily operate like that. So talk yeah. to us about some of the biggest misconceptions that you've ran up across. Well, first, I just want to thank you because right before it was announced, you uh, very kindly agreed to be in the video that we were going to use to introduce me as a new creator liaison. I really, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. So some of the biggest ones, like for me, I know when I was starting, it was the idea of the algorithm, this machine, this faceless, inhuman thing that was in control of your destiny, that no matter what you did, you could be punished or abused you know, or ignored by this algorithm. And when you stop and look at how YouTube works, you realize 
It's the audience. The algorithm's job is to follow the audience. So what the audience is interested in, if you forget about the algorithm, don't think about making videos for the algorithm. Think about making videos for your audience, videos that your audience will love, will click on to watch, will watch to completion, and will enjoy so much that they'll just want to watch another one of your videos next. The algorithm can't help but follow that. That is where the people are going. And that is always like when you hear people talk about the algorithm doesn't recognize me or doesn't promote me. YouTube doesn't push out videos. We don't find viewers for videos. We find videos for viewers. It's not like, you know, like someone shows up on YouTube and we suddenly shove all these videos at them. We pull the videos that we think they would love best based on what they've watched previously, but haven't watched yet. What people very similar to them have watched and enjoyed, but they haven't watched. And then we rank those by a bunch of characteristics that help us determine what they're going to enjoy most, like the performance of the videos. And that means everybody has a shot every day. Like you just started, you restarted your channel. I restarted a channel two years ago and we have every opportunity for that Mm -hmm. because of how YouTube works. Absolutely. So I want to talk about what you've discovered and what you've learned since you started working inside of YouTube. Because obviously, again, like you just alluded to, you were a creator for two years doing your own thing, independent and a very successful creator. But now you work inside of YouTube, you're at YouTube. So what are some things that you've learned that kind of work differently from when you were on the outside? So I can't say differently. I can say that I had a lot of incorrect assumptions. So for example, like we know people who work at YouTube and they care a lot about creators, but I had no idea if that was like the exception. Like maybe, you know, everyone else is very corporate and they're just like a couple of people who happen to care about creators. But every meeting I'm in, I mentioned that every meeting I'm in, people care, like creators are top of mind. Everybody is thinking about them. And I think one of the reasons why it's harder to see is because creators aren't one thing. We're not like a group mind. We're not, there's only not one type of creator. And a lot of times there are trade-offs, like what is good for one creator is not good for another creator, or a group of creators is not good for another group of creators. And every time I think I have a handle on something, and I'm like, especially before I joined YouTube, I was like, why doesn't YouTube just do that? That would fix everything. And then you go inside YouTube and you go, oh, that would really hurt this group of creators. We've got to be much more careful and much more thoughtful about this. I'm like, ah, I get it. So a lot of things at YouTube scale, and when you're dealing with the incredible diversity of creators, they are nuanced. There are a lot of subtleties involved, a lot of different creators and different interests you have to keep in mind. And it adds a level of complexity. And I'm just, I'm gratified that there are so many different people at YouTube, each like trying to cover up any blind spots we might have and pointing out where, oh, no, no, we got to be super careful about this as well. You know, it's interesting that you talk about uh, YouTube making changes that might benefit one group of creators but hurt another group of creators because I am a quote-unquote small creator, small channel, whatever. And for the past almost five years I've been on YouTube, I've heard nothing but how small creators feel like YouTube doesn't care about them. YouTube doesn't want to see them succeed. But I've also heard from bigger creators how YouTube is suppressing their content, this, that, and the other. So it's almost like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, YouTube can't make anybody happy. So it's cool to hear you say that actually, yes, YouTube does care about creators. It's just that they're going to make decisions and do things that might not always make a certain set of creators happy, but they're doing the best they can. Yeah. And Todd Beaupre, when he was on stage at VidCon with Jimmy Donaldson, with Mr. Beast, he talked about some of those things. Like he talked about the team we have that works on smaller creators, you know, because sometimes and you'll see this in studio. If you start a new channel, you don't always have a lot of data to work with. And a lot of the systems in Creator Studio don't have a lot of data to work with. And similarly, YouTube doesn't have a lot of data to work with. So how do you 
please the audience when you don't yet have an audience. And it's a great talk. I won't spoil it. You can go listen to it. But Todd gave some ideas about that. But he talked about how YouTube very specifically tries to help creators. And when creators do things like start to figure out who their audience is, we try to be there for them, you know, as they get to their first 10, 100, 1000 subscribers, we very much feel like their success is our success. Like we just want like more Mr. Beast, want a thousand more Mr. Beast. And the only way to find them is to go through all the new creators who join all the time. So we work really hard on that. That is very interesting that you say that you want a thousand Mr. B because that's a whole lot right now. That's a whole big undertaking. But wouldn't you? I mean, like the future is so limitless and exponential and it's so exciting and YouTube is growing and changing and evolving. And people probably thought there was a limit to YouTube before, but every time that happens, you get like a Casey Neistat or an MKBHD or an iJustine or a Michelle Carre or a Mr. Beast who just show us like we have no idea what the real limits are. And that's the beauty of it. And for all the creators that might be listening to this podcast right now, I want you to understand something. You don't want to come on the platform and try to be the next Mr. Beast or be the next Casey Neistat or be the next Marquette Brownlee. No. What you want to do is come on YouTube and be yourself, be your own unique individual. You have your own unique personality. That is how you're going to succeed on platform or on the platform. It's been like that since I've been on YouTube as far as been watching and different things like that pretty much since the inception back in 2005. If you can come on YouTube and be your own unique individual, so there are people that will gravitate towards you. You might not think it, but at some point, as you get more comfortable in front of camera or behind camera or however you choose to present your content, as you get more comfortable as a creator and develop your own style, your own delivery, your own personality, you will find your tribe. They will gravitate towards you. They will support you if you upload consistently. If you are constantly trying to be a better creator, the people will find you. Definitely. Mutual friend, Georgia Dow, I was there earlier and she loves camping and she had a bunch of camping YouTube channels up on there. And I like, I'm embarrassed to admit that hasn't been a niche that I've explored yet, but there were all these channels with like millions of subscribers and 30 minute long videos where they're just like very calmly in the rain, putting up their tents, their dogs are running around, they're opening a drink, they're talking very calmly, setting up lights and like millions of subscribers, 500,000 to like several million views per video of these really long videos. And like, to your point, you know what you vibe with and you find people who vibe with you. Doesn't matter what the niche is. Doesn't matter what you're doing, what you love. There are people who will love it with you. Absolutely. All the time. So you've been on a job, what, about a couple of months now, I think? A month last week. A month last week. Well, congratulations on your first month. What do you hope to accomplish in the role at Creator Liaison? So... Just to break it down a little bit about how the process works, if you're on Twitter, for example, and you have a problem with YouTube, you just at Team YouTube, and they are incredibly good at figuring out like how they can help you. They can't always help everybody. I mean, there's limits to what anybody could do, but that team is incredible and they will do their best to help everybody. So I don't get in their way. All I try to do is like say, please, you know, at Team YouTube, they'll help you out. My job is to look at things more from the platform level. So if I see something that's affecting not just one creator, but multiple creators, things like I've been working on a lot lately is like the spam that we've all been seeing uh, recently, or people who are having issues with demonetization where like, if you can start seeing certain patterns that emerge, there's just a, a bunch of things and maybe everything is fine. I don't know. I just try to go in there. And if I can try to find some patterns on Twitter that look look like things that maybe YouTube has to tackle as a platform, that's where I go in. And any day where I can help creators, it's like the most rewarding experience. 
if I can help creators just figure these things out, if I can help YouTube figure these things out for creators, that is my only barometer for success, making creators' lives better. That is pretty cool, man. So as you've been in the role for a month now, what do you think will be your biggest challenge as the creator liaison? I think it's always going to be education. I think education is the silver bullet. If people have information, it just unlocks so much potential. But like, as you know, nobody watches all of our videos, even all of YouTube's videos. There are so many videos. YouTube has a viewer's channel. They have a creator's channel. They have a creator insider's channel. They have like all of this stuff. And every day you meet either new creators who didn't know about it or even long-term veteran creators who either things have changed over time or they just, they heard something once upon a time and never tried to check it out. So I think the biggest challenge will be to just help everybody understand YouTube better. Again, like, so their stress level is lower and they have a better, clearer path towards success. Absolutely. I love that vision. On the opposite side of the spectrum, what are you most excited about as you begin your new role at Creator Liaison? I love learning. Like before this, like I loved making videos and I still love making videos. We can talk about that later too. But I love just finding out about YouTube. Like I just found out about all this camping YouTube and there's always some new and wonderful part of YouTube and creators who have all of these very different needs. Like, and they're all super important. They're just very different from one to the other and hearing their stories and hearing like their successes, their challenges, that whole discovery thing, learning about YouTube and learning about creators every day is just phenomenal. Yeah, there's so much creativity out there on YouTube. And then, yeah, yeah, you have the chance to be at the front and center of learning about it and seeing what everybody is doing. So that's pretty cool. This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's Trend Alerts tool. Think Google Alerts, but specifically for YouTube trends. This tool is great for planning your next video as it helps you stay on top of trending topics within your niche. Provided you have vidIQ installed on your Chrome or Firefox browser, you'll find it on the left-hand sidebar the next time you're in your YouTube studio. Once there, you can create an alert and enter keywords for it and set the parameters. So, for example, I could have a channel that covers iPhones. And I may want an alert that includes things like iPhone, iPhone 12, or even Apple event. Then I can set up my alert to email me whenever a new video hits, say, 500, 1,000, or even 10,000 views an hour. So if suddenly I get an email and see 20 new videos all talking about iPhone 27 rumors, and they're all each getting about 500 views an hour, I know that something's probably going down and I had better hit record. The Trend Alerts tool is free when you sign up with vidIQ, so visit vidIQ.com, install the extension, and start creating Trend Alerts today. So as you've been studying creators and acclimating to your new role as creator liaison, are you seeing any like big trends that are happening or things that you think might happen in the future as far as things that our creators are doing or maybe things that YouTube might be working on, stuff like that? Yeah, I think it's a couple of things. Like my knowledge is imperfect. So I can only speak to like the stuff that I usually watch or I come across. And every day I'm reminded like, I found a bunch of channels in China that were like doing amazing reviews of like Qualcomm processors that I hadn't seen before. Like you, you can find more and more new stuff. So I apologize if I leave anything out. It's just because of how incredibly vast, like how big YouTube scale is. But the two areas, and I think they're very different, is one, and YouTube Trends has been talking about this, is like the advent of comfort creators, which I think might have grown out. Don't quote me on this because I might be wrong. But like they had like this study with me for a period of time where people would just study 
and people would sit down and study with them. And I think like older people didn't understand it. Like, like parents didn't understand it. Their kids would just be on YouTube studying with somebody on a video or a live stream. And then people would just, it just grew. And now people do all sorts, like they do crafts together or they do these camping videos with like rain in the background. And it's just people whose nerves are soothed by watching some really chill, chill content. And that used to be only in a few niches and that is really growing. And it's different from like, just like a video of a fireplace or a video of a sound because there's there's still people in it. Like there's someone you can identify with who's doing the activities that you love and maybe you can't do them in the moment or like and you're busy and you just enjoy being with them while they're doing it. And I think the other big one is what we're seeing to your point earlier about like, don't be the next X, Y, Z. People like Ryan Tran who are reinventing genres, like reinventing vlogging for him it reminds me of that say, great artists steal, and that saying was stolen. And it goes all the way back to poets who always believe that everything is a remix, everything is a copy, but our job as artists is to take those things forward. Like we can stand on the shoulders of giants like the Casey's and the Marquez's and the Jimmy's and all those people, but it's our job to push the medium forward, to add layers of complexity and to add different angles to them and twists and things to them. And I think we're starting to see as 2020 progresses, some really interesting takes on some very, very classic YouTube stuff. I think I know at least one creator that does the study with me videos and things like that. So it's very interesting to hear you talk about comfort creators. I never know they had like a name, but it makes sense. You know, yeah. you, you use it for lack with them. It kind of remind, reminds me of those lo-fi music channels that just play music in yes. the background. And yeah, so that is definitely a thing that is happening out there. And uh, that's the beautiful thing about YouTube, Renee. There's so much opportunity on the platform, regardless of what it is that you like or what it is that you're passionate about. There's just so much that you can do and so many opportunities for creators to make a living on YouTube, man. I, I just yeah. love the, the diversity and everything that goes on on the platform. Yeah, one of my favorite recent changes uh, rolled out a couple of weeks ago is that you can now go on, on mobile and you find one of your long form videos and you press the edit into shorts button and then you can extract 15 seconds or up to a minute of that long form video, turn it into a short and it will link back to that long form video. And when you combine that with what Todd Beaupre tweeted about last week, which is we've built this bridge now where if somebody watches your shorts, when they're back in the classic YouTube experience, we'll show them your long form video. It just makes such a powerful tool for discovery. Like maybe someone is like, they only have a few minutes, they're snacking on shorts because they don't have time to, to dine on a full video. And they're just going through and they see that. And it's like something they're really interested in. And it's just that one button and suddenly they're in the video and maybe they can't finish it yet. But now, you know, they have it there. They can save it for later, put it in their watch list, whatever they want to do. And I think that's just really, really powerful uh, on a platform level. So let's have the real talk for a moment, Renee. So you just alluded yes. to the short bridge that Todd announced, I think it was last week. So in your opinion, because obviously you're, you're not just a creator liaison, you are a creator. Yeah. You have a channel with over 300,000 subscribers. You've done short form content. So with the short bridge that is now uh, out there and part of YouTube's initial phase to try to integrate short more, do you feel like or do you believe that creators should start maybe trying to incorporate more shorts into channels that have long form content or is it still better for creators to maybe just have shorts only channels? Like, how do you feel about that? What are your thoughts? I love the idea of multi-format. I think it's like one of YouTube's biggest distinguishing characteristics. And you know all this, like because you go live and you make your long form videos and you've made shorts. It's just really powerful to be able to pick the format that best fits what you want to say, like your view, your vision, your voice for that moment. I've done uh, live videos, not on my own channel, but like on MacBreak Weekly for a decade and on iMore for a decade. And I miss doing it. And I want to start doing it again. And just that idea 
of being able to have a channel. Like Todd says, and I agree with same audience, same channel. If you want to do something totally different, make a different channel. Like Brian Cranston is amazing in Malcolm in the Middle and in Breaking Bad. But if you put him in the same show as both <laughs> characters, it'd be super confusing. Yeah. So like, yeah, different audience, different channel. And I think it was huge when, you know, Jimmy put that short up on his channel because he was really wary and he'd been putting shorts on Beast Shorts for a while. And I think the product developed, like shorts developed to the point where he was comfortable doing it and it worked really, 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 really well. And I think we'll see that for more and more creators that if you are trying to reach the same person, putting it on the same channel just makes all the sense in the world. And we have to acknowledge that these things take time. Four years ago, I tried to incorporate live streams on a channel where I did regular long form videos and it just did not work. It was it just completely nerfed my analytics. YouTube was told about this. And over the past four years, they have kind of worked on live streaming and worked on it to the point where now I'm comfortable telling creators that if you want to live stream and do regular videos on the same channel, you can do that because they work together now. But that did not happen overnight. That took years of YouTube trying to figure out how to integrate the live streams with the regular videos and how to make the analytics work and marry each other to the, the point where they wouldn't like completely tank your channel, growth and different things like that. So these things do take time. And I do respect the fact that YouTube has come up with this short bridge, but I still think there's going to be a little bit more time that's needed before it's seasoned, if I might say. <laughs> you know, that's totally fair. And it's, it's thanks to creators like you. And, you know, like, and you, you know me from before this job, I was complaining about everything all the time, always, because I always felt like that's the best way to get something done. They're not going to fix it if, if we don't complain about it. And now with shorts, there was an issue initially with shorts where when we first started them, the algorithm didn't really understand. They're like, Viper just watched 300 short form videos. So we're going to show minute long videos when he's in classic YouTube as well, because he must love really short videos. So suddenly you go to your homepage and it was all these one minute long videos. So we're like, oh, that's no good. So we just cut that. And then over time, we had to build it back to where long form video would recommend shorts to you when you were in the shorts experience. And now last week to where shorts will recommend, will, influ will help with recommendations in long form when you're in classic YouTube. But it's, it's like what happened with lives when it launches it's hard to predict. Like I, I, one of my favorite sayings from way back in the day is that no amount of quality assurance or projections can help you understand what's going to happen when a million, 10 million, 100 million people hit your code. And it's just one of those things. So when creators bring us that kind of feedback, it is so valuable. Okay. So I want to go a little bit further into short with you. So we know we both, you know, even before you started working at YouTube, we both saw and see that YouTube is pushing short heavily. We always get statistics about how shorts are being viewed like 5 billion times a month or whatever the number is these days. And they're basically pushed to you anytime you go on the YouTube homepage and all this good stuff. They're constantly making shorts more feasible for creators to do. So there was a conversation on Twitter that happened not too long ago about how short creators and TikTokers and, and the like have trouble building strong bonds with their community because the content is just not long enough for a viewer to stay there and establish that bond. That is one of the innate advantages of being a YouTuber, especially one that makes long form content. The audience is there with your content long enough to get to know you, get to know your personality, get to know the information that you have. They can have that bond with a with a YouTuber that doesn't do short because the content is long enough and the relationship is strong enough to where that happens. But short creators don't have that. I guess I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, you know, short form in general is just different. And that's been true, of, for example, Twitter for a while now, when Twitter came up, when it started becoming really popular, a lot of like OG bloggers like myself, you know, John Gruber, a lot of us are like, 
we don't have the same audience anymore. People who used to contact us directly, now they just, they're on Twitter. And your value is like a destination website. Like if somebody went to your website, it was huge. But now everybody is congregating on Twitter. And if you're not there, there's a million other people for them to read. And it's such a short thing. Like doom scrolling came from Twitter, right? Because people were just like, next, 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 next. It's a very different format. And I think TikTok uh, famously too, like people talk about how you just go through TikTok and it's, it's really just that video after video after video. And I think cleverly for those platforms, like when you look at TikTok or you look at Instagram, they've added live to the mix. So creators can go live. And I think it's in those live moments where they have points of attachment where they can build deeper relationships. But I'd also point to you, like you have built such an incredible community on Twitter and not everybody can do that. So part of it, is just a deep understanding of the platform that you're on, the kinds of connections that you can make, and then the ways that you can develop them. And not everybody can do it. That's why, you know, you have the Twitter following you have and other people, other people even who are bigger YouTubers than you haven't built the same community you have, even though we all have access to the same tools. So a lot of it is still the creator. And I think on YouTube, shorts become especially powerful because, you know, on some platforms you have all this street food. And it's great. You can like walk along, grab a bit of this, grab a bit of that, keep walking. YouTube traditionally had these big restaurants and you could go in and have a meal. But you know, if you wanted like those snacks, you were on the other side of the street. And now we've got our own street food. We've got shorts. <laughs> so you can be there and you can like have all those snacks. But if you're like, oh, I really like this place. I see their door in front of me. I can just walk through it and have a whole meal. That creates this huge, powerful discovery potential. And then you can use shorts as a way to engage with an audience that you then use your long form videos or your live videos to really create that deeper connection with. So it's less about attaching strictly through shorts, which is sometimes your only option, and more about using shorts to find people to attach to. Mm. Oh, I like that. Using shorts to find people to attach to because we've heard so much about how creators have blown up in sub count by using shorts. So even if you don't necessarily create that strong bond with these people that's that many more people that are able to discover you and if you are created that maybe has like long-form content then maybe those people that come in through a short will take a look at your long-form content and then you can begin to build those bonds so i love how you said that well I like yeah that like call, call me chris is one of my favorite examples not just because she's canadian but partially because she's canadian you know she was on tiktok she was doing great but TikTok doesn't have a creator fund in canada so she came over to youtube and she does shorts and she does long form and her shorts are so good. And it makes you want to watch all her long form videos. And I think she got 4 million subscribers her first year, 7 million now in her second year. And it's just like that to me is the potential when you combine both those things. Super, super. Like you can absolutely be just a short creator, absolutely be just a long form creator, absolutely be just a live streamer. One of the advantages that YouTube offers is all those formats. But some creators have learned to put them together so well. It just, it feels like more than the sum of their parts. That is awesome. So, I wanted to get to a question that uh, was asked on Twitter from As a React, and he wanted me to ask you, will YouTube survive another 20 years? Yo, I am super bullish on YouTube because it is the endless variety that we just talked about, that there is so many things to so many people, and it never, like YouTube never stops. We're always trying to be innovative, to be there with creators. There's just so many things on YouTube. When I look back and I think YouTube today, 
YouTube five years ago was so different and YouTube five years before that was so different that I have no idea where we're going to be in five years, but I know it'll be so different again. And in 10 years, so different still. And like, when you think about all the technologies that are coming our way, like everything from automation to virtual and augmented reality and all of those things, it seems like both of our, both our opportunities and the ways in which we're going to be able to engage with content are going to become just even more limitless. And I think, I think YouTube is going to be right there with it. Absolutely. I, I don't see you two going anywhere anytime soon, which kind of slapped me gently into my next question. Me and you, as far as tech is related, we've talked about AR and VR, and I've talked to you about how I feel like AR is the future because it embraces mobile more than VR. VR, you kind of have to be stationary depending on the situation, and AR, it naturally integrates with the world around you. Well, we've kind of seen uh, YouTube take a similar stance with wanting to cater more to mobile people and mobile creators. Obviously, with short shorts, is a great way for people to do things mobily and get all that done. But I've also heard them say on their own creators inside a channel that they want the features of the desktop uh, app to have perfect parity with the features of the mobile app, which does not exist yet. So can you talk to us a little bit more about things, the effort that YouTube is making to beef up their mobile offering for creators? Yeah, I think that is just like a matter of time. It's just going through because the desktop has been around for so long and mobile also. But I think the the advent of really mobile first or mobile only creators and the power that more modern phones have unlocked, like 4K, 8K video, high frame rate video, yep. the ability to go live like like with a 5G speed, you know, LTE and 5G speed connection. All of those things are more recent developments, and it really makes it possible for your phone to be your complete, like not creator studio the way like the app is, but like literally like your production environment. And I think it's just a matter of taking all of the stuff that we've built over the last many, many years on the desktop and thinking intelligently how to present it, because it's not just about cramming everything in there. Like I use creator studio on my phone every day. I know you use it on your phone every day. Yep. It's very different in terms of not just the size, like, you know, it's vertical and it's much smaller, but like the use cases, there's a rapidity to it. Like on a desktop, you can sit there and go through advanced analytics and like have this whole thing in front of you. And I always picture like spreading out Daryl Eves like to get like your full <laughs> or like Roberto Blake, fully operational battle station view of things. But on mobile, it's often like, I want to check this. I want to get this. I want to see this. And there's an expectation, I think, of rapidity in it. So I think it's also partially thinking out, not just to get it in there, but the best way, the most useful way, the most functional way to get it in there. And that's just a factor. One of my, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, like development is limited only by time and then the physical constraints of the device that you're on. And those are the two things. Like it's got to be able to fit on the screen and we got to have enough time to make it. I think uh, one of the biggest points right now is creators want to be able to upload from the Creator Studio app. And I, I'm not sure if that's there yet or not, but I know that I think that's something that YouTube is working on. So. Hopefully that'll come soon enough and uh, that'll make uploads a little bit easier for the mobile creators. So that'll be pretty cool. Yeah. And I like, I'm sure you do the same thing, but I just, I go to like the creator studio, like the website, I press the skip button and then I, I go to desktop mode and then I have everything on yes. my phone. Desktop mode for the win. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of YouTube, Renee, the creator Academy. Sometime last year, YouTube did away with the creator Academy to kind of put it in a different separate playlist somewhere. I don't even know where it's at. Are there any plans to maybe bring back something like the Creator Academy? Because I personally think that that would be a great help to new creators that want to get adjusted and figure out how YouTube works at a basic level. The Creator Academy was great for that, but there's nothing like that out there right now. Or am I wrong? So I don't know that. That was before my time. And it hasn't something it hasn't been something that's come up for me since. So I really appreciate you bringing it up. And I would love for like Tupac listeners to tell us what they would find super useful for that. Because I just I love creator feedback. You can never anticipate everything that a group of really smart creators is going to tell you. 
one thing though that I would try to think about is that everything is a trade-off. And we know this like from every tech company. It's like if you have an engineer on A, that same engineer can't be doing B. And so at a certain point, you've got to choose, is that engineer doing A or is that engineer doing B? And one of the things you look at is, well, how many people are using A? How many people are using B? How critical is A? How critical is B? And you look at all these metrics and you're like, ah, I'd love to do both, but I can't. And A is being used by so many more people. And if it goes down, it's going to hurt them much worse. So just work on A and we're like, we'll figure out what to do with B later. And then you think, oh, you know, they hate B and it's not true. It's just like resources, no matter how big a company is, they're never unlimited. And you always have to make those hard choices and trade-offs. But like, if you can think, or if you have ideas, if your listeners have ideas about where they'd love to see that kind of material, where it'd be most helpful for them, please, please let me know. That's right, y'all. Uh, just uh, tweet at us at VidIQ on Twitter. Uh, let me know and uh, you know, I can get that to Renee and uh, we can make awesome. that thing happen. Now, I got a selfish question for me. Actually, it should yes. be selfish for you as of uh, before you started working at YouTube. But us tech creators, we still get no love on the YouTube homepage. There is no tech session, Renee. When are we going to get our dedicated tech session on the YouTube explore page? Where, where are we at, Renee? Where are we at? Working on it. Working on it. They don't let me in there to edit the code, so I have to like work with people. <laughs> but I, I was petitioning for it before I got to YouTube, and I'm still petitioning for it. Like, like selfishly, again, I just want that there. Yeah, we got we got we got gaming and and, yeah. and and fashion and all stuff. Where are the tech creators? I mean, what are we, we not? I mean, come on now. We got Mark Kemp, we got yes. Lou, we got Linus come on, come on. we got Justine. Like, I think the tech sphere is big enough that we we should have our own tab. Yeah, we we should have, yeah, absolutely. We should have two tabs. We should have technology one and technology two. Absolutely. All right, before we get you out of here, Renee, you think you are in the creator liaison role, and you've obviously been a creator for the past two years. You've been very successful on YouTube. Do you have any advice for new or just starting creators out there to succeed on YouTube? Yeah, and it's going to be the same advice that I hear you give so often. And, you know, it really is find something you're passionate about, something that you can make video after video after video about, and then just consistently do that. Like there's no other way. People always say make good videos. That's the silver bullet. You know, if you make a good video, you'll get views, you'll get subs, you'll get everything that you want. Make a good video. But it's hard to know, like, what is a good video? And a good video is just something that your audience is going to love. So, like, figure out your passion, figure out your audience, and then just start making videos. You don't have to make a ton of videos and then burn out. You don't have to, like, make videos occasionally and then stop. Just figure out a pace that really works for you and works for your life. And then just get those videos out. And what I did, especially in the beginning, is every video I made, I wrote down a few things about that video that I wanted to improve. And then I picked one of them just one of them. And I worked on that until I thought it was improved, until I thought I'd fixed it. And then I would go on to the next thing. And it's like, if you can just get, I'm going to sound like Thomas Frank here, but if you can just get 1% better every time, like every day, if you can fix one thing, improve one thing every day, by the end of the year, you're going to be enormously better. And by the end of the next year, and when you've got your first 100 videos done and your second 100 videos done, you'll be able to go back and look at them. I know a lot of people are like, but my videos are perfect. I've done everything Viper has told me to do. I've like nobody, nobody's videos are perfect. You can talk to the biggest YouTubers and they're like, my thumbnails from a year ago suck. I'm so embarrassed by them. I'm going back and fixing them all. My hooks were terrible. Like that never changes. Like you'll always be able to go back, but that's what tells you that you're improving. When you look back at your videos from a short time ago, a year ago, something like that, and you see the progress, just know that if you keep that, if you do that consistently, if you put the work in, if you figure out your passion and your audience, make great videos, the rest is going to come. Okay. I want to go into the make good video because we often hear, Renee, about the quantity over quality argument as it relates to becoming a better creator. 
So when you're first starting out, obviously you don't know what a good video is. Yes. So would you agree or what is your take on the quantity versus quality argument, especially for newer creators? My thing falls back and I, I don't mean this as a cheat, but it's like consistency. Like you're going to need to make videos to get good at videos. Mm -hmm. Like don't rush them. Don't put up videos you know are bad. Take as much time as you need to make a video that you think represents your current skills as a YouTuber. And then just be consistent about it. You don't have to put up 10 videos a day. You know, pick a pace that works for you once a week, twice a week, every two weeks. That to me is the most important thing. It's a marathon. It is not a sprint. And a marathon, a sprint sucks. It's really hard to keep up. Some people can do it bless them. But you know, for most people, you need to think about sustainability, about being in it for the long term. The worst thing that can happen, I think Marquez said this, the worst thing can happen is you can have a video blow up immediately and then crash. And then you're like, I don't know what to do anymore. So just you know, strong and steady, think long term. That's what wins the game. Absolutely. It is definitely a marathon, not a sprint. Renee Ritchie, once again, congratulations on becoming YouTube's new creator liaison. I appreciate you making time for the podcast, sir. Thank you so, so much. Uh, so great to be back. So great to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. If you guys want to reach out, I believe the Twitter handle is uh, YouTube Liaison, right? Yep. YouTube Liaison. At YouTube Liaison. Absolutely. At YouTube Liaison. But as Renee has said before, and I'll say it again here for the podcast, he does not and he cannot address individual creator requests. That is for at Team YouTube on Twitter. So, yep. But if you have general questions about YouTube or things that Renee might be able to help, then by all means, tweet at him. He's, he's, out, he's on Twitter. He's doing good things on there. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Tube Talk. Enjoy your week. Be kind, be safe. And I'll be back next week with another episode of Tube Talk presented by Vid IQ. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk brought to you by Vid IQ. Head over to vidiq.com slash tube talk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.